This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Adar is the yard site of, of one of the most unusual uh, Gdolim class I've ever had, and that's the Chidor. First of all, um, like always, where did I get my information from? The best, we'll, we'll see in a second that there's actually a vault of first-hand information, but the best place, the best thing written on the Chidor is something called Sefer Chidor from, or it's called a Chidor, from somebody named there, it's called Meir Benayahu. Meir Benayahu was a son of the chief rabbi of Nisim, of Rebizak Nisim. He was a Yodea Sefer, big Yodea Sefer, he was a big researcher, and the stuff that he's written in many things is, is very reliable. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's research stuff and it's, uh, everything is noted and so on. So it's something which is extremely reliable. And he has all the Mikairis. So it's basically an extremely good work. We'll see l- soon that it didn't, doesn't take all that much to write on the Chidah. You don't need much Mikairis. We'll, we'll, so first we'll give a sketch about his life and then we'll go through more details. Chido was born in Yerushalayim in 1721, and he um, started writing, he was, he was a prodigy, started writing for him at the age of 16, 17, he went to Hebron, to live in Hebron, and um, in those days, he, um, he was sent as a shlia from Eretz Yisrael in 1753, was his first shlichus. Um, for five years to go collect money in Europe for Israel. This is a very, very important part of his life, um, and we'll talk about it later also. He spent five years, then in, he came back to Israel in 1758. In 1764, there was a lot of politics in Yerushalayim. There was, there was a, a, a vad of wealthy Jews in Turkey who supported a lot of Yerushalayim and Moistis. They, um, in 1720, most of the Moistis Yerushalayim had bankrupted. Uh, the Ashkenazi ones first, and the Sephardi ones were really breaking. And a group of wealthy Turkish, Turkish Jews got together, and they founded a Vad Pekidah Eretz Yisrael, that they would send money to Eretz Yisrael. Turkey was the big country at the time. The Ottoman Empire was the one that ruled over Eretz Yisrael. And um, they they would support most of the Moistis. Um, when you support the Moistis, you want to make sure that they run, you know, with fi- certain, uh, let's put it this way, financial stability and uh, accountability and so on. So they had people, Pekidim, that they sent to Israel to take care of that's running well. These people, the wealthy people in Turkey, also acted as um, go-betweens to the Turkish government. Turkish government was a pretty um, benighted, despotic group of people. The Sultan was interested in money and soaking people for money, and they would always try to tax people. And these people were wealthy, they had clout, so they would also act on behalf of that Sultan Eden to get the government, the Turkish government, to be a little more reasonable. One of the people they sent to Yerushalayim was somebody that the people of Yerushalayim felt was arrogant, haughty, um, bossy, terrible, they really, really didn't like it, and they tried to get him um, removed, and they sent the Chidor, a group of people, to try to make Ishtadlus. He went through Mitzrayim, 
and then um, he, they realized that he's too many powerful friends in Turkey. He couldn't go to Turkey, he couldn't come back to Israel. So he was stuck in Mitzrayim for a bunch of years. He then, if a few years later, when he was able to come back, he came back to Hebron, to come back to Yerushalayim. And then he went out again in 1773 for Shlichus to Tunis, to Tunisia, and then again to Europe, all over Europe. In um, 1778, he settled in a town, in Laverno, big, a big town, city in, in Italy, and he remained there till he died. Why he didn't come back to Israel is not clear. Um, nobody knows why. He didn't have an official position in Laverno, but he just um, he sat and write, he wrote a tremendous amount, as he did all his life, tremendous writer. And uh, until he was nifta, he wrote that he wants to come back to Israel. He very much wants to come back. Didn't uh, um, was uh, never was able to come back. And he was nifta in 1806 in Livorno, in Italy, and Yudalavada. Um, the just to give a sense of the tkufa, it, it, 1760, which is kind of the mid-year of the Chido's life. So the Chido was in the middle of his life at that time. The people, the Gdoyan living in Klaus at that time were um, the Gra, the Balshemtov died in 1760, possibly, um, the Choizim Lubliner, the Yitzhak Bardichev, the Ktsois, the Rebchaim Volozhin. Um, those were people that were his contemporaries. The, um, the Rital Ghazi was a, was a Chava of his. Um, those were some of the, and the Rashash. Um, the Rashash, not, not the one in the Gemara, but the big Mekobel. Those were all people that could have been contemporaries at the time. That's the Chidoz, um life, uh, the sketch of his lifespan. Let's speak about a few of the Inyanim um, that are very relevant, and let's explain some of the things that, are, that he left, he wrote, he was a prolific writer. It's, it's, very, it's hard to keep track of how many Sfarim they range the estimates range from 60 to 80 to 130, 140. Um, part of it is we have a lot of Kisiyadis. We do have Yeshiva as a set of Chidos Farim, um, which the, the problem is some of the Farim are, are two volumes, some of the Farim are in different Inyanim. It's hard to know how to count them as different Farim, but th- there's Kemat not a Mikzaya and Torah that he didn't write on. He was an extraordinarily prolific writer. Um, there's a place where he writes. Uh, he writes in an entry in his diary that I was very, very sick this day. I, I was so weak and so sick that I couldn't even, I couldn't learn, I couldn't even daven. And I just grabbed a small safer and I wrote Hagos and Horus on it. That was, he also writes about some things that he said he wrote while he was sleeping and he woke up and didn't like at all what he was mechadish and he crossed it out and so on. He, <laughs> he, he was, um, he, he was an extraordinary prolific writer. Um, he left over two of his farm are unique, uh, probably in the history of Klal Yisrael, and those are the ones I want to focus on. One of them is called Shem Agdolim. Shem Agdolim is a s- double safer. It has the names of about 1,300 Gdolim and w- w- that they lived and s- or, uh, biographical notes about them. And about an equal amount, the second half is called, is, is, is a Shema Sfarim. It has about 1,200, 1,300 Sfarim that were written up to his time and sketches about it. 
it was he he it's an incredible it's a small safer it's one of the most valuable sepharim we have first of all um he traveled like we said before he spent 10 years traveling europe every single place that he traveled to the first thing he asked was before he asked for money he asked for kisviyadis if anybody has any sepharim he, he had an amazing memory and tfisa and he would and he would um take hold of whatever he read and he would remember it and he would write notes about all the kisvidyadis he found all the rishonim everything that he tracked down his um he he had the eye of a researcher in other words if if safer a brought safer b down obviously safer a is later than b and then so how could something else write somewhere else from this person or not from that person and and he really it's it's an amazing amazing amount of research that he did he had the eye for being able to 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 distinguish between to you know and he would and he, and he put together the best the most solid history that we have of a, of 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 a few hundred years worth of of people and svarim is his um, it's incredible incredible work what's amazing about it is it's very he wrote very short he didn't it wasn't Meirich but he wrote like the most essential parts this is the Sefer must have been written when did the when did he write the Castle of Mystery write it before the Bible, so after he says it has to be after because in this, in this place he quotes this in this place he doesn't quote this in this place he's brought here that type of thing he writes very Bekitza he um, he also what's incredible about the Sefer is he he was a researcher and a mekubel together. So he'll write about the Beisosif and he'll write who must have been his rebbe's and where we find shuvas for somebody else for somewhere else. And so he must have been this place, that place, other place. And then he'll write in in small Oasis and that Rizal says that he was a Gilgal of this and this neshama, and that's why he was Zechatelyanovi, like it says in this and this place in the Zohar. The, the, the mixture of of the of the of the kind of very very real. And you know, kind of research stuff together with other things is incredible. Um, very, very, um, it's incredible work. The basis for most of the things we have today comes from him. Um, he also has Kisuyadis that he wrote about, and there's almost there's almost no library in Europe of, of significance that doesn't have Kisuyadis with his notations on it and his and remarks. And he writes about it. I found this place because I've this, this person it wasn't published yet. This I was found this, that, and the other thing. Um, he occasionally was, you could see occasionally sort of <coughs> wanted to, he was upset with Rabbi Yaakov Emden, that Rabbi Yaakov Emden did not, um, he wrote about the Zohar, that parts of it were not from Shem and he writes that it was just a kanos against Shabsi Tzvi, and so on. The, but but his, it's a safer that is, it's a small safer, and it's, it's a type of thing that today they would have a whole, a whole machon, researching it's it's incredible it's incredible work and it's the basis for a lot we know basically anything that says in the safer is history you, you can trust it he doesn't bring any mices doesn't bring any bubble mices anything that he writes he'll write exactly where he found it where he saw it and occasionally when he writes something may be write that i heard this from someone very very reliable and i believe the story and so on and so forth a, a very very in, incredible work that's the shame magdalem the um, the uh, and, and he writes about the Rambam and Kabbalah, all important things 
And, and again, in a tshuva safe, he'll bring down a tshuva safe and he'll pick two or three points that he says that are especially worth noting, and so on. <laughs> the other safer that he wrote, and Shem McDonald was a very common safer, it's a safer, it's a must in everybody's uh, library, it's a, it's a safer that's a, it's a very, very widely published. The other safer was published once, it's called Magal Toiv. And it's, a, it's an unusual safer, it's his own um, diary of all of his wanderings, his travels. Um, it's, it's, it's incredibly candid, it's extraordinary safer, and it was published once in the 30s, there are copies of it obviously, and it's, there, there are two versions, there was a shorter one with only first Nasi and then the full version has both Nasiyas. It's an incredible source of information for so many things um, that uh, things that I just will try to point out, just to give a sense of the person. He wrote very open with names and facts, good things that happened to him, bad things that happened to him, good people that he met, bad people that he met, Goyim, Yidin, everything. A very, very incredible, it's, it's, it's interesting to understand why he wrote it. I don't think he published it, Bechayev, but we have it. Um, his other sfarim are in almost every Mikzaya. One of the things that he specialized in, Halacha, his most famous sefer, most chashev sefer, is called Birkas Yosef. It's on Shulchan Aruch, and it's, it's valuable additions to the Shulchan Aruch. Big sefer, big, it's two halakim, I think, and he writes on, on, um, on, on uh, everything and anything. He, he, his his sfarim and everything else, his, his, his resources of quoting stuff is incredible. Um, he has drushes that he said, and the Joshua's, he all starts like with a story, and the story has a moral. It, it was a, he, he could be a folk action, he could be a Macobel, he, he a researcher. His, his versatility was incredible. I want to focus, obviously, more a little bit on the, on the Nasius and the Magal Tov. That's where it's the most interesting historic material. That's why I said Benayao did not have to do much work, just simply sifting through his, what he wrote is... There's one problem with reading his things, and that's Kedai the note. He was Moli Vigodish with Tanakh and Medrashim and, 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 and everything else. He writes a very, very, um, very allegorical Hebrew. It's like he's always writing double jokes through Muslim, Psukim, half Psukim. So you, to know what he said, you just you have to be able to know what he what he means over here. He he very much would describe something in certain words and then write um, and, and then sort of write it Beremiza and Psukim and Rashi Tevis. That was his style. So so in in um, in the um, in Shem Agdolim, it's very very matter of fact, very clear, crystal clear. Magal Tov, it's extremely flowery, and you have to figure out what he's trying to say a lot of times. Some, I, I'd like to go through some of the fascinating things. First thing was, in a bigger context, this, the, the, there was a huge problem that seemed to exist from the early history down. Eretz Yisrael was never self-sufficient. And Eretz Yisrael um, always depended on support from the outside. There's a two-volume work here, a researched work, called Shluch Eretz Yisrael, uh, by Aleph Yari, where he goes through all the documents of Shluch Eretz Yisrael. The people would go from Eretz Yisrael to collect in Europe. It created a lot of problems and a lot of tensions. 
and let's go through some of them. The people coming from Eretz Yisrael in those days, it was a big thing. Ashliach's coming from Eretz Yisrael representing the Yishuv. If the people were coarse, not or any other problem, problems, people would, would say, oh, this is what the people of Eretz Yisrael are like. And it would make a very, very bad taste. Sometimes these people were very aggressive in fundraising. People resented it. People also did not take kindly to the fact that, that every community had its own institutions, its own needs. And these people coming from Eretz Yisrael were taken away from that. And there was a constant battle of whether or not I need Eretz Yisrael have a Ircha or not. And this was a, a sore point, especially in communities that were poor. And they couldn't afford to send out money, and they felt they were taken away from them. This, this is the whole the hundreds and hundreds of years of the same problems. There was one more terrible problem, which today, in that ways, in some ways it's better, some ways not. The Shluchim from Eretz Yisrael, today, Baruch Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch gave us a gift of Google, and as soon as somebody comes to your door, uh, you pull out the smartphone, you, you, you take a look at his two diet, you, you just click it with the smartphone, and you n- immediately know everything about the person, his bank account, and what he's been arrested for, and so on and so forth. <laughs> in those days, somebody would appear dressed in Sephardi garb, looking like very, very neat, right? and saying he's the great Goyen, the Chacham of Yerushalayim, and Sephardi together, and he's collecting money, and this and that. And everybody would give him covered Malachim, and he would, and he would give brachas, and that's it. Two weeks later, a letter would come from Yishlaim that if anybody's collecting for Yishlaim and poses the Chacham, he's a big fake and he's a liar and a cheat and so on and so forth. It, there was no way to know. It, so people would have letters with, with a lot of Chasimis that this person had, but in order to, to how do you know the letters are genuine? And it's, it was not a simple issue. And people got, you know, you get burnt once or twice and that's the end of it. And, and, and you, uh, there was another issue. Even the people I wanted to give to people in Israel. They wanted to give to people in their country. So everyone had a kolo. Hung- Hungary had Hungarian kolo, which meant people from Hungary were supported by people from Hungary. They did not want to support people from, from Tunisia. They wanted to support their people. Those were issues in Shluchim Yisrael. The Chidof faced many of those issues. And he writes, each, like in each place, I mean, he, he went to hundreds and hundreds of towns and writes each one. And he writes, in this place, there were Calvary be covered, Godel and Israel, this and that. Um, the worst country, the one where he got very cold reception, people just left him standing outside to freeze in the cold, basically, they didn't offer him a place to sleep, was Germany. German Jews, for some reason, not really like him. And they, and they, were ve- and they gave him a very cold shoulder. In one place he writes, and he, and he writes very angrily, he said, my covenant I can be Mavata, but the covenant of Shluchar Yisrael, I can't be Mavata. Um, in one place, he, he had one credential that nobody could, could claim was a forgery. He, um, he was in a town, and whatever, the Rav gave him a very cold reception, and then I think the Rav called him maybe his son-in-law, or a friend of his, and the Chidah, it was Shabbos afternoon, and the Chidor started talking to him and learning. And for six hours, he writes, they were going back and forth on the Indian. And at the end, that this person, whatever he is, he's definitely a big Talmud Chacham. And, and, and they begrudgingly were okay with the Chidor. But then they said, we have a Takana that we don't give money outside. They gave him a little more money and so on. But this was, the travel in those days was horrendous. 
and every step of the way was dangerous. He writes, he had to go to Hebron, he left Yerushalayim, and I, for those of you who've been to Israel, if you know where Telstone is, next to Telstone there's an Arab village called Abagush. Um, it's so by car, it's 10 minutes outside Yerushalayim, maybe 15 maybe, and Abagush is a, a sleepy Arab town, it's the Baruch Hashem, no, no problems with it. Abagush used to have very nasty robbers living there, and the Chidor writes that they, they were traveling, and Vahanochashagodl from Abagush came with 250 of his people to basically loot them and kill them, whatever it is. So the Chidor writes, I used two very special Shemus HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and Baruch Hashem, he said, they left me alone. With a hundred slotters, I was able to buy them off, and that was like very cheap, and it was a nice nigla. That's how he writes about, about and then wherever he went, you know, he went to Aza, Aza was a Jew, and there were Jews living there and so on, but on the way they were attacked. It, wherever you traveled, you were, you were constantly in danger. It's incredible what it meant in those days to travel. And he traveled for 10 years. Um, so the cover of Shluch Yisrael was something that he was very concerned about. It was something that bothered him, the way people mistreated he felt some of it was the fault of the Shluchim Yisrael themselves. He said that some of the Shluchim from Yisrael, they would say, I'm not taking less than a thousand dollars or whatever, you know, the equivalent kind of money. And then at the end, they would be happy $25. And it made people feel that the whole thing is a joke. He, on the other hand, he felt some of the Shluchim would bear down very hard on people that were not um, capable of giving and forced them to give money. And he felt that was also an avla. Very, very, um, it, it was not a simple massive. He, you know, he, he spent five years collecting money. He kept exact cheshbonos. We have it of all the expenses that he laid out. And certain things, he was extremely careful with the money. On the other things, he wouldn't compromise. He said he felt that the covet of Ashley Chetzal needs to be kept. He refused to ride in anything other than a carriage. He wanted to be dressed. He carried a lot of clothing with him to always be dressed clean and neat and so on and so forth. He, wherever he went, he looked, like I told you, the first thing he went to look for Sfaramikis for Yadis. And, would, and, and he kept this, his 40 years worth of notes. His, his, his Margal spans 40 years. A, 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 and, and he writes every single thing that he found this. And, and it, I went through this and it was Miskala to me, this and this and that and that and the other thing. He had a tremendous chush for it. Um, and this was a first order of business where he went. He also would be involved in being mochiach people. He would find in every community what he felt would need, and, and we have a record of it. In some places he felt people were very, um, they were lax, they started shaving with razors. In the 1700s, people started sh- sh- shaving with razors. People were into philosophy and chacham chitzainis and no, out of Torah. Um, all sorts of things in every community he felt Family life was corrupt in a lot of places, um, and, and he would be mochiach, and he would speak about it. He, he, he had an eye for it, and he would write in every place what he found wanting and lacking what he spoke about. Um, he also, he, the, the, he himself knew he could speak quite a few languages. He could speak French, he could speak Italian. He picked it up, and he was conversing with people. He, had, he also was very beautiful, and he, was, he made tremendous roshim. He was very regal, very clean, very neat really, really regal, and people very spoiled from him. He was very diplomatic, and he writes, in Italy, there was a very wealthy family, 
that were fighting with each other. They had spent 30,000, I don't remember what the coin was, in legal fees fighting each other. And a, a, a half a dozen cardinals and the Pope had tried to make Shalom with the family, and they weren't Matzliach. And he got involved, and he made Shalom. And, and, and a few places like that, where, and, and in Italy, it's fun, if people don't realize, Italy was always a very, um, what's the right word for it, very worldly country, and people were very scholarly, they were also a little bit lax on Frumkite, it went hand in hand, Italy was, was, was that was Italy, and the cardinals and the Pope were involved in the Jewish community, there, there was, there, it was like government officials, because in those days, the, the, the secular and the, and the uh, religious were very intermingled. It was Heinu Hach in some places. So, 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 they, so, so the Pope got involved in Shalom bias of two wealthy families. It was not unheard of. He writes that he would speak. He wrote he came to one place and a whole bunch of, of, of church officials came to speak to him and asked him Shailas and Yiddishkeit and Kabbalah and this and that. And they were very taken by him. They asked him to be mispowered for them and bought him gifts and so on and so forth. He also was, he had an extraordinary eye and interest in everything around him. And he describes in every place big that he went to, the museums that he visited. Um, he writes that they took him to the palace of the King of France. They were very impressed with him. And he writes the paintings, the statues, the displays, he was very taken by it, he, he describes it. He writes about, um, in the king, he, he, he actually met the king of France, like he, he went by, and the king of France turned to somebody and said, which country does this man represent? He's extremely noble in his bearing. He, the king was very impressed by him. Um, he was in museums, and he would write that he saw, he was very impressed, he saw mummies, he saw skeletons of animals. Um, he said in England he was in a place that had a statue of every king of England. And he, and he, was, he, he comments on it, how lifelike it was, books that they have, um, all sorts of stuffed animals, if, exotic plants. In many places, very royal um, palaces and columns. And he, he writes about everything, and he's very taken by things. A beauty and things that are uh, very royal. <coughs> his whole, his safe is full of it. He also writes some criticisms about communities that were more primitive. He writes about Tunisia, he was stuck in Tunisia for a while. He writes that they treat him very well. They, he said, he had to say a sheer, he said they only learned Gemara Rashi, Taisvis, and Marsha. That was the only things they learned there. And but, and it was a very different style than he was used to. And he said, you know, they also had a minute to ask a middle of the share, which he wasn't used to. But Baruch Hashem held his own, and they were very, they respected him. And they, and he, he says, except that they, they were very primitive. And they ate with their hands, and it, it very disgusted him. They, they, everything was filthy. You know, the, the food was lavish, but it was not clean. And, and it was an istinus. And it bothered him, but he was very appreciative of, of the attention they gave him. He writes another note that's fascinating about the, about the people in Tunisia and their mindset, mentality, and so on. He was in Tunisia, and he got a letter that his wife passed away. His first wife passed away. And he said, I couldn't tell anybody because they would immediately force me to marry somebody from the community. 
And he said, and not only, you know, it, it wasn't the pressure community, they would get the king also involved. So he said, I had to be Miss Abel Yochid. And he said what he did was he needed to pour his heart out and he had nobody to pour it out. So he's, he, by Tikhnech Hatzois, he would sit and think about his wife and he writes about her and, you know, that she was a Chad Bedorah and he said maybe many Doris and a Chachma and a Yoifi and everything about her and a Ches and so on. But, but he writes the people that were so primitive, they said they would have just rammed the wife down his throat and, and he, he couldn't get out of it. And he had to, and he said for many days, so taking Chatzois, he would sit and sob thinking about his wife. Um, he writes about the Kehillas. Um, he was asked to pass in Shailas in different Kehillas. He, um, sometimes they looked up to him as a Paisik, sometimes they went to Vakeach with him. Um, really, really incredible um, volume of different um, Inyanim that, that he went through. And he writes about everything, everything. He writes about Paris. On the one hand, he was impressed by its beauty and its splendor. He, like we said, he went to a museum. On the other hand, he, he writes that, he said, Znus over there is Beheta, and there are 20,000 registered Zionists as official Zionists. That was Paris. And it's like, it's astounding to him, you know, that something could be so depraved, that this is, this is the mass of that society. Um, he was, uh, it, it, it's, it, his, he went to almost every part of Europe. He was in Italy all over. He was by the Pnei Yeshua, and Pnei Yeshua was very taken by him, and he was very taken by Pnei Yeshua. He, so he was, in Italy, he was in, in Germany. In Germany in those days was divided into many little countries. It was very difficult. Every time you pass from one county to another, you have to pay taxes, you have to bribe. It was very difficult, and they got a very difficult reception there. He was in France, he was in England, he was in all parts, many parts of Europe. Um, fascinating note, he writes very warmly in a few places about the Chassidim. He writes in a few places, Shemagdoilim, about Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shemtiv, that Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shemtiv was a Kaddish, and someone said over something from him, and writes in, 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 that the, the Arachayim was, was Nofetz because of Baal Shemtiv, had his chassidim learn it. He writes about the Toldus. He doesn't write anything about the Vilna Goyen. Nothing. Very unclear why. He, he, the truth is, he did not write about people that were living um, Beshaitoi. But it does mention Baal Shem Tov maybe was already dead. He does write about the Toldus. It's strange that he doesn't write. We don't know. We have no idea why. He seemed, he writes in a few places, the chassidish type of Torah seemed to resonate with him. And he writes in the two or three places, very, very appreciative about things that he saw in the Maranayim, he saw here. Um, that's a story, the Maranayim, he didn't write about that, but, but it's, it's written in places reliable that he liked to say for Latin. He, he, he wished he could have met the person who wrote it. Um, his, own, his own drush follows a very, very um, a, a pattern Similar, it's like he takes a pasik and he darshans it in a way where he puts a, mus a musa into it, in derech drush into the pasik. That's that's a very normal style of his, a Sephardi style, um, and in ways that that was a lot more noted to what Chassidus. He doesn't go into philosophy. He doesn't like philosophy. He doesn't you know? It's not his thing. Kabbalah, it's interesting. 
he um, he was a big mekubal. He did not like people learn Kabbalah. In Tunisia, they, he said, that, you know, people who he felt would not have came to him and asked him about Kabbalah. Like the, the Nichbadeh Ha'eda, who he felt were not great Nichbadim, asked him about Kabbalah. So he said, I, I told them, I don't have Kabbalahs with me. I, I guess it was sort of a double lotion where th- they would understand to mean that he doesn't know Kabbalah, but he would, he would, um, um, but he meant something else, so it wasn't a lie, but, it, but it, he was able to get out of it. He said, but once, the, the, one of the, the heads of the Ada said, said a drusha, and he took a, he took a shtickle, a rizal, and said it on his own name. So, so he got very angry, and he said, it's an Arizal. You, you simply plagiarized an Arizal and just said it over. And the person said, hey, I thought you don't know Kabbalah. So, <laughs> so he told him, this Arizal is brought in the following safe in this and this place. That was the, 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 the he does, his knowledge. He, um, so, so he didn't, and it's interesting, he didn't write, we don't, a lot of his, a lot of his firm have, Sort of things taken from Arizal, especially in Shemak Dolom, he constantly quotes of Chaim Vital in different places. He writes, which was the Kabbalah Mitis, which is not Kabbalah Mitis. <coughs> himself didn't write on Kabbalah, so that we don't have on Kabbalah. Al Kaponim, um, to sum up, I guess, uh, he, he was, I guess, one of the most incredible Isha Shkoilis Kaisel had. Um, very, very rarely. Is a person kolel such extremes in him? Um, he was a big tzaddik. He fasted tanesim, um, was mesag of himself. We have many, many kabbalas of his on himself, not to do this, not to this, that. He wrote. So there are some tefillas we have from him that made it into city. The famous one is by Tashlich. He, he wrote two or three sfarim about Isakoidesh and the Tzipar and Shammah and others, where he has like little tefillas and he wrote since to say in different occasions. He did he did do that. Um, he so he 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 was like I said for he really did Kleisel have a person that was cold so much in one person. Um, he he his appearance was Malchus. He wrote prolifically. And again, like we, we there, there's every Mikdash Torah has a fuse form of his. He was um, he, he spoke beautifully it, it, in many every place. Asked the way he came, would ask him to speak again and again, and so on and so forth. He um, restored some of the covered to the to the Shluch Eretz Yisrael. It really, really was difficult because they, you know, who do you send out for five years to Chutzlarts in dangerous circumstance? You send out the Godel Haida. Or do you send out the person that's willing to do it, or the person that that's out to do it? It wasn't Pashit. You know, you you want to send out the person who was most chashim. He did go, um, and he brought tremendous covet for the for the for the for the, for the Israel. Um, his descriptions of the communities and their problems, and what life was like, is invaluable. You 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 through the eyes of a big person who's not doesn't seem to be pulling any punches, describes in full detail hundreds and hundreds of communities all over Europe. They're mildest, they're chesroinists, they're, 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 they're in every way possible. Um, life in general in, in Europe, he writes a lot about different things, wars that were going on, and, and governments, he writes about America. He, he was not in America, but he writes a lot about America and so on. 
things that are there that he's heard and seen and so on. Um, his, his, uh, and for us, the most important is in Shema Gdolim, it, it's interesting, his first Sefer that he ever wrote as a young person, I think it was called Helmdav, if I'm not mistaken, was a Sefer that is different in Yanim that no one's written about because they did not have Kisviyadis, they were missing information and things like that. And, and he, he, his, he was the first and most reliable person to put together a, a bibliography, to put together a, a list, to put together a sense of who learned by whom, who came where, what are the sfarim that we have, where did it come from. He corrects mistaken, um, you know, there are all sorts of sfarim that were attributed, mistaken attributions he, he, can, he corrects. Um, in this far, he, 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 he shows how by, if you learn a Sefer well, you can glean much from it. Who was this Rebbe, where did it come from, what was it written, what was the context, Wh- which Sefer was written before, what Sefer. Incredible, it, it's incredible work in, in a small thing. And, and for us, that seems to be the great contribution to, 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 to history. And, and he was by many, especially by his father, he was considered to be the God of the Dar. He was somebody who's, um, he, he was above the fray. He was a great, he was a big politician in the sense that he got along with people. And even when he had to be mochiach, he, he writes, he uses the word politics the way we would say diplomacy. He said, I needed to be mochiach, but I did it with a lot, a lot of politica, which means, you know, to do it with a um, diplomacy. And um, his... The other side is Yudal Avada. He, in Eretz Yisrael, he was one of the cornerstones of the future Yishev in Eretz Yisrael. And for us, we have the, the legacy of the Shem Agdolim, which is today, it, it's, you don't even realize that it's the basis for, for Kemat, everything we know about the histories in the, of those middle schools. We, we, yeah. we have to go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You. Okay. What? Yeah, he traveled himself. Um, yes, yeah, he left over children. He, he got married a second time. Just not sure. Did he collect like a crazy amount of money from all that time, or did he like use it from? I'm not sure. Uh, he seemed to. Um, he, he seemed to have collected a lot of money for his for Dor. He was very, very successful in fundraising. Um, it, 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 the numbers we have, we know it's, it seems to be a very big success. I, I so because of him, the yeshivas kept going and stuff? It was, it was more than the yeshivas. The yeshiva itself, they, they were taxed out of their wits. Mm-hmm. And it was every time the Turk needed money, they, they taxed them with this tax, that tax, the other tax. It was a crazy amount of, you know, it, it was things that were not normal to, in terms of... He, he writes that there's a Messiris that Azulai, he writes in his Sefer, his grandfather, his great-grandfather of Rome Azulai, he writes that there was a Messiris that they were Kahanim, and it's Rosh Hashanah, Isha Zoyna Grucha Lo but then somebody put a cheirim. Anybody that would say that? I, I don't know the politics of that. I I, I don't I don't know the. So it, it, it comes from somewhere substantial. That 
He writes himself, Hashem Agdolim, on the Avram Azulai, on his grandpa, he writes that thing. And then, then he writes something about, along the lines that he put a chayrim on it. I, I don't know what the pshat there was. He's buried in Italy or... Ah, he's buried in Italy, but they reburied him in Haram Nuchas. So, so you can find him at Haram Nuchas, Haram Zaysim. It's in Haram Nuchas. They reburied him in Haram Nuchas. They, they unearthed him from Laverno. Not uh, recently, meaning 50 years ago, 60 years ago, really? that type. Was that his wish, or was he? He he always wished to be in Eretz Yisrael. I I don't I'm not aware that it was. Dangerous, like So so if if they as Mechila, if there was a threat on the cave, I, I don't I don't know I don't remember exactly. But a few he was moved. Dalton the Vardik was reburied near Shalayim. Um, who else? The the, the um. I don't know. The guy is not buried in your slime. The guy was moved. He was reburied, but uh, then I, Develt says that the people who reburied him died. It's not true. No, um, you, you can, Rabbi Lyman's father knew the people. He actually did research on it. But I heard another part that some of the people who reburied him tried to look at him. Um, but but you can ask Robert Lyman's Robert Lyman's father has a tape on it. He actually managed to interview some of the people who were, who did it years afterwards. They appeared in newspapers. It's it's not true in, in that, that it was uh, that they died all. But how do you close this thing? Anybody have an idea? What this is going to the top? Schnippischuk is yeah. Schnippischuk was a little. Slow recording. So maybe the home, the home button. I don't know.